my advice always for people is to lean in. Lean into this community. Hello all and welcome to Connecting ALS. This is one of your hosts, Mike Stevenson. I'm joined by my co-host, Jeremy Holden. Jeremy, I think we may have found the perfect guest for this week because as we've said many times this year, good news and optimism are tough to come by for, for many reasons right now. But our interview with Sonny Browse of Texas was, uh, pardon the word play, a ray of sunshine. Yeah, I, you know, I've had the opportunity to talk to Sonny on a couple occasions, and I always come away just feeling inspired, optimistic, and ready to just take on whatever is coming. Sonny, like all of us, has had a year, and it sounds like she's taking it on with the same level of enthusiasm and, again, inspiration that I've certainly come to admire from her. Yeah, there are probably a number of you out there who have met Sunny, or at least read about her life and work at her website, SunnyStrong.com, which we'll put in the show notes. And if you have done those things, you have a good idea of what you're about to hear. She is one of the kindest most inspiring people you will ever meet. And she was gracious enough to talk to us about how that past year has gone for her and how she's continuing to influence the ALS community. Let's listen now to our interview with Sunny Browse. We're on the phone with someone I think many of our listeners know, or at least follow on social media. She's a leader in the Texas ALS community and beyond. Sunny Browse, welcome to Connecting ALS, Sunny, and thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're so excited to talk to you. And I just referred to you as a leader, and that's definitely true. But I think we need a stronger word because you are an absolute force in the ALS world, advocating, fundraising, awareness building, and perhaps most importantly, inspiring people all over the country. You're also famous for your positivity and warmth. And as you say on your website, sunnystrong.com, living with no apologies, excuses, or regrets. Now, Jeremy and I have uh, a lot of ground we want to cover with you today, Sunny. But first, because it's 2020 and it's a year that seems to be producing one challenge after another, tell us how you're holding up down there in Texas. I am melting. It's still 90 degrees here. Uh, <laughs> usually, you know, you hope for a cooler temperatures above third a little bit, but um, we're good. I mean, just I had a major life change mm. during 2020. My husband and I got divorced, mm. and so not only has 2020 been a total game changer as far as the pandemic, but my entire life changed as far as moving back to my home, my hometown of Heiko and um, having to live with my mom for a little while. And then now I'm in my own place and just balancing a new life and a new routine. And, but we're good. I mean, it's just... It is what it is. You just keep got to keep rolling. Sunny, what challenges has COVID itself and the pandemic and some of the different quarantine pr protocols that we've all been dealing with? How how have you been facing COVID and facing that particular change to, to all of our lives? 
I'm having to be a lot more deliberate as far as, like, I can expect the people around me to pick up on nonverbal cues because half of what I use for my nonverbal is kept in the mask. So I'm actually having to verbalize, hey, I need you to do this or hand me that or, you know, whatever it is. So I'm having to be more intentional in my requests and my expectations. I am about as far into the extrovert world as it goes. And so having to learn how to not have like crashes and being able to find ways to energize and still be still connected and still satisfied socially without mm-hmm. being in large crowds and around other people and that's definitely been a challenge for me personally because I'd much rather be in a crowded room than home by myself. So just having to learn how to be more intentional in my in my efforts to go out and be out and be around people while social distancing and uh, maintaining, you know, the guidelines and stuff like that. I attend clinic quarterly, and so I went to clinic on Valentine's Day, and then we didn't have face-to-face clinic in May, but thankfully August was face-to-face, so I was jonesing for those six months of just like, I love clinic, mostly just Mm -hmm. when I get to neurology and dialysis my jam is what I live for and so to get to go and love on the other families and to be around the clinical staff and Dr. Heitzman and so just to not get to do that in May was so hard because May is a big month and they always sprawled and always make that a big event when I go to clinic and so that was really hard but just kind of adapt and move on and just not taking for granted hugs or getting to spend time with people anymore. Then I have to, we're just learning to put a lot more effort into those. Yeah, understandably so. And, And a number of the other folks we've spoken with living with ALS since the pandemic began have mentioned really how difficult it is to feel more cut off from the world with that need to socially distance. And while you're already living with a disease that lends itself to feelings of isolation and being such a social person, as you mentioned, Sunny, have you found other specific ways to combat uh, those kind of feelings and stay connected to people that are important to you? Has it been more kind of video calls or phone calls or just different ways where you're not necessarily getting together in person? Well, thankfully, I am a millennial. So I definitely have the, I, I get the support group satisfaction out of online and have always been really involved in those. Um, I'm a part of a women's forum on Facebook that everybody in the group either has ALS themselves or is a caregiver. For someone with ALS, and so it's a really candid, comfortable, safe place to come forward and ask questions and put 
things out into the world to encourage each other or to get clarification or ideas or suggestions. So I've always been really active on that in that regard and in social media. So that part of it didn't change. But now I'm spending a lot more time, screen time, rather than it being more of a balance with the screen. So, but I can see where I can definitely sympathize with people that are needing, really missing that connection they get from their support group and from being face-to-face. I'm, I'm very rarely thankful to be a millennial, but that is definitely one of, one of the pros. Sunny, I've always been so inspired by your warmth and your generosity toward others and your willingness to share your story and wanting to hear other people's story and and just form those connections. So it's great to hear that you're able to tap into that millennial side and and keep those connections thriving in an online platform. I saw that you had started, uh, I believe it was back in May, a an online book club. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I wanted a way to celebrate Analyst Awareness Month, knowing that getting together wasn't going to be possible, and wanting to highlight ALS authors. And so my sister, Wendy, my older sister, were the weather children, had her help me hold together a list. I think we ended up with over 50 books and just kind of went through and picked out, read as much as we could and settled down on our five books. And I reached out to the authors and kind of explained what we were wanting to do and then the project took on a life of its own, and it was absolutely amazing. We, our first book was written by a woman who's no longer here, but she just lived this wild and crazy, eccentric life that ended in ALS. And so co-author of her book is who led the book club for us that week, and so... She really just spoke to Carol as a person and her zest for life and how even through ALS, she was able to maintain herself and go on adventures and stuff like that. Um, The second week was a book by Mary Saxena, and she and I are just a couple years apart. She also had gone through a divorce, so I definitely connected with her on that. But she, her whole story, right after she got diagnosed, she loaded up her chair and went on a two-week international vacation by herself. So her story is just amazing, too. Um, She's the struggles that she has from living in New York and navigating the subway system to um, international travel and life and love and everything in between. And then our third book was by a woman named Allison Angson, who her husband had ALS, as well as her father. And so just the, she had kept a 
kind of a diary of emotions and conversations and different things that were going on during her experience as the primary caregiver for her husband. And so it was really powerful to have her come on and speak to the caregiver side of it all and learning empathy and expressing emotions and just the hardships of unfortunate diagnosis. The fourth book was written by Shelley Hoover, who I think is one of the most amazing people on the planet. The very first time I met Shelley, she was telling me about her ALS surgeon in her left foot. And so she has a tattoo on her foot that says out of order, <laughs> which was the inspiration behind me getting my fall wrist tattoo. Oh, sure. And so three different people that all come together in a certain period of time. So ALS was part of it, but not all of it. And she typed the entire thing with her eyes. Wow. Which is just amazing. And then the fifth book was by an author named Nadine Sands who cared for her husband during his ALS and he passed away, but they co-wrote the book together. And so, um, again, just being able to take different aspects of this disease and turn them into life lessons rather than life hurdles. Hmm. And so it just, just worked out that these five authors were available and willing to be vulnerable and tell their stories. And then we ended up building a community of people that joined us every Thursday. And for the entire month, it just, it really turned out to be way more than I ever expected. It was amazing. What a really thoughtful thing to do and, and creative way to bring people together and expose them to those kind of stories that they might not have otherwise discovered. And I guess we shouldn't be surprised given the sort of work that you've done uh, in your community and the broader ALS community. But yeah, it was just such a cool idea. And I'm sure a lot of folks were happy to be a part of that and grateful for your involvement in that. Well, in the people we met along, I mean, the authors alone, phenomenal. Any chance you get to sit down and speak to an author that you admire is amazing. Then the people that joined the conversation because they saw it on social media or a friend sent it to them or their chapter sent out or whatever it was, just the connections and the togetherness that we were able to have with nothing else in common that then ALS, it was just amazing. I mean, friendships that I'll cherish for the rest of my life out of just reading a couple of books together. Oh, I bet. I bet. That's a really, really great story. Thanks for sharing that with us, Sunny. I would like to shift gears uh, for just a moment, if that's okay. Uh, given the recent national news uh, we had, I'm guessing you saw the headlines around the results of phase two clinical trials for Amelix Pharmaceuticals' potential new drug, AMX35. Sunny, what was your initial reaction to that recent research news? I mean, I'm very easily excitable, so that excited is an understatement. 
I don't know anybody personally that's taken the medication, like, as far as the trial goes. I don't know of anybody that, like, can personally attest to the medication itself. But I think any time ALS is in the news and in the spotlight for innovation or anything resulting in technology, I think... I think that's a good thing. And I think that's a good place to be. And so, unfortunately, I mean, we have medications that, you know, work their way through, get FDA approved, you know, hit the market and then end up not performing the way people think that they will or aren't as accessible or whatever the hurdle is. But I think at the end of the day, keeping ALS in the conversation and in the forefront of technology and development is the only way we're ever going to find a cure or a way to take this from terminal disease to a chronic one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, is this the cure-all? I don't know. That would be amazing if it is. Even if it's just a small subset of population. Anything's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think just keeping conversation going and keeping the spotlight on it is what's going to ultimately lead to those major developments. Yeah, so inspiring to hear you say that. Sonny, Mike mentioned at the outset that you are a leader not only in your community down in Texas, but across the ALS community. I don't know, a year ago almost, you were down in Perth, Australia for the International Alliance meeting. Can you give us a sense of where you see, where are we in the fight and where do you draw hope and inspiration that that progress is being made and that that the right sense of urgency is is moving us forward? I've been doing this ALS game for five and a half years now. So I know pretty much what's available to me, you know, either within my clinic or within research or support groups and stuff like that. So to be able to see how Australia is taking these things that are working in other countries and making them work for their population was really cool. I mean, I have been excited about the Hughes since the first time I saw her and Merritt talk about them. So to actually get to see her in Perth on the Healing Platform Trials and how this is going to be a game changer and then the UK adopted a similar model that came out right after we were in Australia, it's a game changer for not just ALS, but for all diseases. And so that to me was just so, so amazing to see people working smarter, not harder. And to be able to know that this, this is not only going to change the face of medicine in clinical trials, but it's going to change the face of the disease that I'm fighting. And so any chance I can get to be in marriage or Sabrina's space is wonderful in my opinion. So to see them present on, you know, an international stage on those topics was really what got me fired up. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for painting that picture of how that conference unfolded. And as Jeremy alluded to, those sort of events, very different right now in the world. But just the idea that so many brilliant minds and influencers in the ALS community have the opportunity to share those ideas, learn from one another, and then build off of them as we look towards the future of treating this disease. That's a, it's an exciting thing. And, and hearing you talk about it gets me excited because I know how much it means to you. I don't want to put you on the spot here, Sonny, as we're wrapping up because Oh, there's... yes, you do. <laughs> well, maybe I do. Maybe I do. I guess we are interviewing you on a podcast. But there's not uh, an inspiration switch that human beings can flip on and off. But you're you're so skilled at finding hope and positivity during times when people seem to need it most. What advice do you have for anyone who is impacted by ALS and living in this particularly challenging point in history in terms of moving forward and continuing uh, to seek uh, moments of hope and positivity. Somebody told me very early in my diagnosis that just because I'm excited to be at clinic doesn't mean the person next to me is. Just because this is their fifth year at clinic doesn't mean they know anything more about my personal disease than I know about theirs. And so that really hit home for me just on my experience isn't like everybody else's and everybody else's isn't just like mine. So bringing that human factor back into interaction rather than uh, grouping based on, oh, well, yours is over and mine's sporadic, so this sounds different. Rather than forcing comparison, um, and just looking for that, we're, we're all in this together, really just helps, helps me to relate to the people that I meet and get to talk to, and um, I feel like makes me more effective in my energy and my execution just by being able to just try to relate to them on a human level rather than you know, a diagnosis. My advice always for people is to lean in. Lean into this community. Illness only affects the best people in the world, hmm. unfortunately. And this community is so full of inspiration. And it's so full of people that are just eager to make those connections, to find to use ALS as a common ground and to launch from that. And so whether it's a shared love of sports or reading like our book club or traveling or adaptations because of, you know, your progression, I mean, leaning into the community and I get to join a group or be a part of something that wasn't welcoming with open arms. And I just think that this disease can so easily isolate you from life, from family, from friends, from, you know, your expectations of your future and everything else. But this community is built and is structured in a way 
to do as much as they can to push you to be better and to keep you engaged and to keep you performing as the, your highest potential. And so you're only going to be able to reach those benefits if you reach out and lean in. Mm. That's great advice. I tell people all the time, I do not believe that I was given the name Sunny or given my personality to sit at home and wallow over this disease. So I just, I don't know why this is my calling, but here I am. And, you know, I just encourage people to jump in as best as they can and get involved. This community is only full of the best best people best of the best it doesn't seem like any coincidence that you do have the name that you do sunny and we so appreciate you uh bringing your disposition and your experience and knowledge and just your perspective on what it means to be living with als and, and your own personal journey well thank you again to sunny browse uh, this was uh, a really enlightening conversation and to hear about your perspective on living with als and the way that you've been able to bring hope to so many others in the community is really inspiring so thank you for your time today well thank y'all for having me and please encourage people to check out sunnystrong.com we're always doing something ridiculous and fun and as far as als awareness and exposure goes we will definitely put a link to sunnystrong.com in our show notes so that uh, people can visit your site. Thanks for that, Sunny. Yeah. Thanks again to Sunny Browse for stopping by to share her reflections on this crazy year that we're all experiencing, how she's taking it on. And uh, I got to tell you, Mike, I enjoyed hearing about her virtual book club. Uh, I'm going to have to go check that out. We'll certainly share that in the show notes. I got some new books that I'm going to have to read. Yeah, me too. I think that's such a cool idea. And we've seen during the pandemic some of the creative and innovative ways that people have found to come together and, and do that in a safe way. And I think a book club is an excellent one. And for Sunny and her group to choose books written for and about and by members of the ALS community uh, is a cool thing. So yeah, I think it's worth all of us kind of exploring how she did that. As we mentioned up top, you can learn more about that and Sunny's other uh, adventures and work at sunnystrong.com. You can also follow her on Instagram at sunnystrongals. And speaking of social media and following, as we wrap this week's episode, remember that you can find Connecting ALS on Facebook and Twitter, and you can subscribe to the show on our website at connectingals.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thank you all for listening, and we'll connect with you again soon. 